Welcome to Seven Mile Ministry. We hope you enjoy this message. Good to see everybody this morning. We, uh, we won't delay or take up any time. If you have your Bible, you could open it to uh, John's Gospel, the third chapter, John's Gospel, chapter 3, and uh, we will start reading the very first verse. We may have a few places to turn to after this, but I trust you're going to get something out of this today. I believe the Lord's going to help all of us. It's good to know, isn't it? I mean, I, I, did, I do hope you came to hear something from the Lord. I mean, not from a man or from a woman, but from the Lord Jesus, because he's still speaking today. I, I heard one fellow say, God don't speak to people today. Well, he's wrong that he does. Thank God that he does, too, because I, mean, I need him to talk to me. But he wants to talk to us, and he does it in several different ways. But um, just believe God, come expecting and Jesus will not disappoint you. So in the third chapter of John's Gospel, the first verse, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God. No man can do these miracles that you do except God be with him. Jesus answered, said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wills. You can hear the sound thereof, but you cannot tell which way it comes or which way it goes. So is everyone that is born of the spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, how can these things be? Jesus answered, and he said unto him, Aren't you a master of Israel, or aren't you the teacher of Israel, and you don't know these things? Verily, verily, we speak that we do know, and we testify to that we have seen, and you do not receive our witness. If I have told you of earthly things, and you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? We'll stop right there. And uh, there'll be a few other places we're going to turn to. But um, we're talking about spiritual things. And it take, you know, it could take three months. You could spend on, stay on this particular subject right here. But um, trying to condense it in 35 minutes is, is not the easiest thing in the world. But Jesus is speaking of spiritual things. And a lot of times when you say spirit and spiritual things, you know, folks, sometimes they think it's spooky. It's not spooky. God's a spirit. Jesus said so. Jesus said God is a spirit. A lot of times we use the phrase, I'm going to talk to the man upstairs. And I understand when you say that, but you know what? God's not a man. 
And I'm not knocking anybody for saying that or trying to split hairs or nothing. But the reality of it is Jesus mopped the floor clean and he said, God's not, God's not a man. God is a spirit. And he said, if you're going to worship him, you've got to worship him in spirit and you've got to worship him in truth. And Jesus was, Nicodemus came to him, but uh, most people that came to Jesus to ask questions, they were all caught up in the natural. All caught up in the, uh, the carnal. When the Bible speaks of carnal things, it's talking about the natural mind. And uh, Paul said, if you're going to be carnally minded, he said, it's going to produce death. But you've got to be spiritually minded. It'll produce life and peace. And a lot of times, we all fall prey to it because we're living in the natural world. And uh, even though the Bible does say, you know what, we walk by faith, not by sight. We're not walking by things that uh, we see with the natural eye. We're walking by things that we believe in our heart according to the Word of God. But right on the other hand, at times, you better, buy, you better be walking by what you see. Or if you step out in the middle of the road, there's a car coming, what's going to happen? See, a lot of times, you better be paying attention what you see. But you cannot always believe what you see or what you feel or even what you think with the natural mind. Because it's wrong. A lot of times it don't even exist. Many things that you think in your mind, many things that you even believe and you have conceived it inside of yourself, come to a conclusion about certain things, it don't even exist. Jesus called it, uh, bring it down to the natural level, or not bring it right down to, you know, home grits. What Jesus said is, do not worry or have any anxiety about anything. But in our culture today, we think that it is responsible to worry. We think that it is responsible and we think that we care if we're full of anxiety. The Bible says that it is unbelief and unspiritual for a man and a woman to worry and have anxiety, Jesus said, about anything, anything. And a lot of times, you, you know, uh, you want, people want to talk about the subject of faith and walking in faith, and, um, and we, we believe it. I mean, the Bible says without faith, you cannot please God, and you need to learn to walk by it. But folks, this is the reality of it now. You have to. First Peter said you have to. It's not a suggestion. Jesus didn't suggest that you cast your cares. Jesus commanded, cast your care over onto me. It's, it's, it was a command. He says you want to walk in faith, real faith, walk into a spot to where you're led by the Spirit, you have to cast all your care over onto him. All means all. Little and big. Even in the area of forgiveness, when Jesus said, forgive, he said, if you have aught against any, that's little and big. A lot of times it's easier to forgive the big things than it is the little things. A lot of times it's e easier to forget about the bigger things than it is the little things. Many times you'll say, well, I can handle the little thing. He didn't call you to handle the little thing. He said, give me the little thing. It's, a, it's an absolute spiritual law that you have to cast all your cares, all your worries, all your anxieties over onto Him. 
He said so. Yeah, but what about this? It doesn't matter. He said, cast it over onto me. He, he commanded that. A lot of times, you, we never even get to the next, Lord, I want to do this and I want to do that. Well, you're going to have a hard time because you have got baggage and chains hanging all over you. Until you give me that baggage, I'm talking about from your heart. You got to tell him, I'm, you know, I will not worry about such and such and so and so. And it's hard. I mean, it ain't easy. If it's easy, everybody could do it. But he did say do it. And things hadn't changed from Adam and Eve until now. The only thing that, that we've, we've got different is we have technology. Mankind has not changed. Things have remained the same. The Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. What, what has been will always be. Men and women are the same. The personalities have always been the same from Adam and Eve all the way up to here. Even when Jesus, you remember the story with uh, Mary and Martha, you know, that was Lazarus' brother he raised from the dead. Jesus is over at their house preaching. And two sisters, one of them sitting down there listening to Jesus. The other is in the kitchen cooking, cleaning, trying to get everything situated and everything just right because all the guests are here. Jesus is here. I mean, he raised my brother from the dead. He's the master of Israel. You know, we believe he's the redeemer. And she's in there doing like we all do, saying the same old things that we all say. Why don't my sister get off her lazy tail and come in here and help me? This is right there in the presence of Jesus of Nazareth himself. Now, a few days earlier, remember, he walked up and he said, Lazarus, come forth. And he raised a man from the dead. And now she's griping and complaining because her sister will not help her. That's a true story. I mean, a lot, a lot of women are smiling and laughing because, you know, you've done it to each other. You know, We all do it. And uh, Jesus said, it was Mary and Martha, you remember? And I forget which one. I think it was Martha was the one that was complaining, stressed out. Everything had to be perfect. I want everything clean. Jesus is coming here. But the reality of it, he didn't give a rip. I want everything perfect. This, the pots have to be scrubbed. The pan's got to be perfect. I ain't talking about live like a slob. That ain't what we're talking about. But he's, everything's got to be perfect. Jesus is in there and he's teaching. Mary is in there sitting at his feet and she's hanging on to every word that he said. Martha is in there throwing a fit and she's grumbling and complaining until finally kitchen door kicks open because she's like a teapot. Everybody in here has a teapot, don't you? Until finally, you know, you play it over and over again until finally you reach to that point where you're fixing to blow. So she kicks the door open and guess who she yells at? The man that raised her brother from the dead. She didn't yell at her sister. She was thinking, Lord, is he going to say something to her? Don't, doesn't he know what's right and what's wrong? I'm in here slaving. She's out there doing nothing. I'm in here cooking, cleaning, trying to make everything perfect. She's sitting there listening to him. Does he not know what's right? Does he not know that she should be up here helping me? Doesn't he understand all this? And she's playing that over and over again until finally she kicks the door open and she says, Lord, are you going to tell her to get up and get in here? 
And he says, Martha, you're troubled, you're worried, you're stressed about too many things. Mary has chosen what's right. Now, she, Mary was the one that was being spiritual. Because Jesus was preaching to her, or he was teaching. And she understood everything that comes out of his mouth is what's not only going to sustain me, it's going to carry me over into eternity. She also understood he fed 15,000 people not too long ago. He raised my brother from the dead. He's healed countless people. He walks on the water. I think, uh, you know what? He can, he can whip up something to eat for all of us if he wants to, but Martha couldn't get it through her head. You want to know why? She was carnally minded. Now listen, don't take this out of context, and I'm not saying that means sit down and don't ever do anything, help nobody. That's not what we're talking about at all. This was a different situation, but nevertheless, she was worried and stressed, and she was putting natural things above spiritual things, and it was costing her. And it was causing a lot of grief in her life, causing a lot of stress and turmoil. And Jesus was saying unto her, he said, Mary's the one that's right, you're the one that's wrong. She's the one that's going to be at peace. You're not. Because she's listening to what I have to say. You know. Well, all right. Turn over to, to Mark's gospel. The 16th chapter. Sixteenth chapter of Mark's gospel. The ninth verse. I imagine they'll put it on the screen there. I don't hear many pages. Turn. I think everybody comes just... Look at the screen. It says, uh, when Jesus was risen early the first day of the week, talking about after he was risen from the dead, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven devils. She went and told them that had been with him, and they, they, as they mourned and they wept. And they, when they had heard that he was alive and that Mary had seen her, they did not believe it. Did not not believe it. After that, he appeared in another form unto two of them as they walked and went into the country. And they went and told it unto the, unto the residue. Neither believed they then. They didn't believe them either. That was two of them on the road to Emmaus. And they said, no, we, we don't believe it. Afterward, he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat and upbraided them with their un- And he upbraided them with their unbelief. That means he appeared to them when they were eating. I don't know if it was breakfast or lunch or dinner, but nevertheless, Jesus appeared to them as they were eating. And it says, he upbraided them with their unbelief and their hardness of heart because they believed not them which seen him after he was risen. Now, the, uh, the Greek word for hardness of heart, or the Greek phrase there for hardness of heart means their destitution of spiritual perception. And the Bible says that Jesus upbraided them. Now, he, this is now, he is resurrected. Resurrected. He, is, he doesn't have any blood in his body. You know, it's all gone. He has holes in his hands and in his feet, and he walks through walls now. I mean, he already has done miracles beyond anybody's wildest dreams, but now he's walking through walls to come in. And uh, he showed him his hands, showed him his feet. Bible says he pulled his cloak back, had one of them come, 
put your hand up in here, run it up in here to my side where they took that spear. Look at me, touch me, handle me, give me some food, let's eat. And then he upbraided them, which means, now get this now, that he cast into their, into their teeth and he, he railed at them because they would not believe. In other words, it, it was more than their believing. It says their lack or their destitution of spiritual perception. And how many of us are destitute of spiritual perception? And don't shout me down. I'm, I'm talking to myself too. And this isn't condemning now. This isn't destructive. This is constructive. Because it'll get fun in a minute. <laughs> but we should not have a lack of spiritual perception. Because the Bible says, greater is he that is in us than he that is in this world. The Holy Spirit is a real person. He's a real being. Jesus said he's a comforter, a counselor, a helper, an advocate, a strengthener, an intercessor, and a standby is what he called him. That's, that's a pretty good title for somebody. Jesus also said, it is expedient for me to go away. If I don't go away, I cannot send the comforter. And in Hebrews, it says that Jesus has obtained now an even more excellent ministry than that when he was on the earth. Because not only is G did Jesus pay for the price of redemption, but now he has sent his spirit and Jesus himself can embody or indwell inside a man's spirit through his Holy Spirit. So when you're born again, when Jesus told Nicodemus, except a man be born of the Spirit, he will not see the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is walking, being led by his Spirit. Spiritual perception. Being led by his Spirit. When you're born again, your, your inward man, your spirit is recreated in the image and in the likeness of God. I mean, that's amazing. I mean, everybody in this room that I, that I know of, I mean, if you're not saved, you need to get saved. Every person in this room, the Bible says, has a measure of the God kind of faith. And every person in this room has the actual engineer that slung the heavens into existence. Did you know now that NASA has, do you know how many planets they're saying are out there now? Over 600 million, 600 million planets are, and it just keeps going. And that uh, over 20 years ago, that probe that they sent, and they thought, well, it's going to send when it gets to the edge of our galaxy, and it just keeps churning and keeps churning and keeps churning. There are planets, they say, that make Earth look like the size of a golf ball. Now, the same spirit, that engineered, that designed, that created everything, dwells inside of every single solitary person that has claimed that Jesus Christ is Lord over their life. Now that is absolutely amazing. But it is what it is. I mean, that, I said it is what it is. How many millions of people have got to heaven? Of course, it's a shock and awe when you get there. And you don't forget about the pain and the hurt. I mean, you, I mean, you forget about the pain and the hurt. You don't care about what happened on the earth then. But nevertheless, when you realize, huh, 
So you were in me this whole entire time? And I didn't cooperate with you when I was on this earth? How much, how much more I could have coasted through? See, God never did say that you're not going to have trouble on the earth. Jesus never said that. But he did say, I'll be with you there. He never said you wouldn't go through the fiery furnace. You know what? If you hadn't been through a storm, keep breathing. The storm's coming. I mean, it's going to happen. But he's in there. And he will be there to help. But you've got to change your perception. Your spiritual perception has got to change. When it changes, you think differently. You see things differently. Now, my mother, she's been in heaven. She'll be in heaven two years. This come August the 5th, about 9.50 in the p.m. Now, in the Bible says that uh, a thousand years is like one day to the Lord, and one day is like a thousand years. There's a formula you can find and pick up what it's like, the sensation of time for people in heaven versus the sensation of time down here on earth. You can use that formula and fit, try to figure it out. Forty years may pass on the earth, but a person that's in heaven, an hour and a half passes. That's what it feels like in heaven. Forty years down there feels like an hour and a half. So my mother hadn't been there but about a couple of seconds right now yet is what she feels like. But I can tell you, people would uh, say, and this, this is not just for me, this is for every single solitary believer, because the Bible says, we are not like those who have no hope, we sorrow not. You may go through a grieving process, but you don't sorrow. There's a difference. We sorrow not. Why? Because we know the outcome, we know the end. But I, I can remember, um, you know, and people try to be, be kind, and uh, they're trying to be helpful, but uh, you'd see some folks and they'd say, oh, Lord, you know, I loved your mother. I'm so sorry about your mother. I mean, what are y'all going to do and what, what's going to happen? And, and I'm not saying you don't miss them and you don't have hurt. Yeah, you hurt. I mean, it's a part of life, you know. But he's still with you to get you through that hurt. But I, I can tell you, I'm shocked to say that the Christians that said to me, to my face, all you have is past memories now. There, they are void of spiritual perception in Jesus. They may be born again, but for the Christians that would say that to me, I was shocked to hear them. And I don't mean to be ugly and unkind, but a, a Christian, we don't have to look. You, you may enjoy some memories, but this is the reality. You got a loved one that goes home to be with the Lord. It ain't over. It just begun. See, when a man and a woman leaves their body, we're talking about spiritual matters and spiritual perception. Because if Jesus tarries a hundred years, everybody in this room is going to go by the way of the grave. Can you say amen? It, it, that's a weak one, but don't be afraid of it. It's going to happen. But you do not need to fear it. Because it is not the end. It is only the beginning. Because you will step over into an area of a shock and awe that's going to take your mind to places you never thought were possible. Your capacity to laugh will be infinite. Your capacity to love will be infinite. The capacity for you to enjoy life, to have peace, there is no limit to what the capacity for you to actually be hysterically laughing constantly, it'll never end. But right on the same uh, record, flipping it over. The man or the woman that leaves the earth 
without Jesus, your capacity to hurt, to grieve, and to be depressed will never stop. Your capacity to fear, you will live in untold terror and it will never end. Over here, we're born again. And the Bible says we don't sorrow because we have hope. A person that's in hell, there is no hope. You walk on this earth right now, you may be going through pain. But you also know that there's an end to it. You have hope there's an end to it. You may be having trouble at home, but you have hope there's an end to it. You might even be on your deathbed. But if you're born again, you know there's hope that I'm fixing to be off this bed and I'll be in heaven. But the man and the woman that die and go to hell, hope does not exist. It's over. So, understand that when we talk about hope, we're talking about Bible hope. I ain't talking about wishing upon a star, worldly hope. That's worldly hope. We're talking about Bible hope, which means a white hot expectation of everything that is good. And the Bible says that these three things are going to remain forever. Faith, hope, and love. They will always remain for eternity. That is how your perception should be. That you have hope for somebody. The Bible says that love hopes the best for everybody. Hopes the best in every situation. Hopes the best for every church. It hopes the best for every family. I'm talking about biblical hope. Not wishing upon a star. Biblical hope. We're talking about changing how you see things. And how you view things in line with him. There's hope. You remember he said in uh, Jeremiah, there's hope for your future. I've given you a hope, a purpose, a plan, Bible hope. See, the man and the woman that's in heaven. When, when people used to say, say to me about my mother or anybody else, they'd say, Lord, what are you going to do? I, I, can't, I remember going and seeing somebody in my family that's been saved longer than I am old. Been in church longer than I'm old. Read the Bible longer than I'm old. All the above. Someone in her family passed away. It was sudden. It was a tragedy. It was completely unexpected. So folks went over, you know, uh, you know how you do. I mean, you know how you do when somebody passes. And we go over there and sit. And, and I go over there and sit with her and start talking. And just, you know, just a little tidbit of wisdom here. You don't, uh, you just don't barge in and start blabbing scripture to people either. Sometimes you can know enough of the Bible and beat people over the head with it. The Bible says weep with those with, that weep, rejoice with those that rejoice. You don't just barge in and start declaring a bunch of things over somebody. Sometimes the best thing to do is be swift to hear, slow to speak. And a lot of times people practice that in the opposite. They're swift to speak and they're slow to hear. And they're very quick to wrath. But nevertheless, you know, you go in and you listen and, and, and how people are talking. And so I was finally able to just sit down and really talk, not really be overly candid with them, but comfor- comfortable enough to say, well, you know, at least uh, so-and-so, I'm not going to call their name out, at least so-and-so right now, I mean, so-and-so's in heaven and he's probably doing this. And uh, the, the woman looked at me with shock. This woman's been saved now longer than I'm old. She looked at me with a shock and she said, I, I've never even thought of. She never even considered heaven. That's wrong. That's wrong. I, I wanted to fall right there in the floor and shout out loud, are you born again? What's inside your heart? 
What is in there? I don't know about you. I think about eternity every single solitary day. I think about heaven constantly. One reason, because I think it's moving here rapidly. Amen. I know that's kind of deep, but nevertheless, that is also a, 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 a sign coming. You know, I think about it constantly. And it blows me away that Christians' perception is so off in left field. They didn't even consider. I mean, dear Lord, Jesus, Jesus made it plain. He said, in my Father's house, he said, are many mansions. He said, if it wasn't so, I wouldn't have told you. I'm going there to prepare places for you. And the, the woman that I was sitting with, the way she looked at me was just, I mean, shocked that I would even say that because she thought, I've never thought of anything like that before. Folks, dear God, if you've got a loved one that's, fixing, that, that's, that's gone home to be with the Lord or fixing to go home to be with the Lord, the first thing on your mind should be, they are literally stepping over into a realm that we can't wait to get there. But the good part is this. A portion of that realm is actually abiding in your heart. Don't be carnally minded. Don't be naturally minded. Be spiritually minded. That's being led by him. Knowing that something, something on the inside of you is greater than what you see. There's something more to this, this life and this matter. There's something more. You know, the storms of life come. Well, sure they come, but that storm will not last forever. Even in the natural. Have you ever seen a storm last forever? I know it causes some damage, but it ain't going to last forever. It will not continue on for eternity. You know. I mean, how many times, you remember, we'll say this, we'll probably close up here. You remember Jesus, the disciples were going across the uh, Sea of Galilee. He said, let's go, let's pass on over to the other side. And then, you know, Jesus was, uh, the Bible says he fell asleep in the boat. And a storm came. And that storm was so bad, the disciples, I mean, they, they're sailors. They've been out there on the ocean all their life fishing. And they're so afraid, they're hollering and screaming and, and yelling at him, telling him to wake up. Don't you care? They said, carest thou not that we perish. In other words, how many times you said, Lord, don't you care what I'm going through? They said the same thing. Don't you care what's happening? Don't you see what's happening? He was sound asleep on, in the boat. Sound asleep. And he finally got up and he rebuked the storm, rebuked the waves, said, peace be still. The storm calmed and he looked at them and he said, where is your faith? He was saying, I've been here the whole time. And if, if it seems like Jesus is sleeping in the middle of your storm, it's because everything's okay. Yeah, are you following? How many, I know everybody in this room, sometimes you feel like, is Jesus even listening to me? Is he awake? When it seems like he's sleeping, he's right there. He hadn't gone anywhere. And then another time, they were going across the other side. A storm came. The Bible says that Jesus started walking on the water. And uh, Peter said, or one of them, I think John shouted out loud, it's a ghost. And uh, we got to know some Jewish history when they, they were shouting, it's a ghost, it's a ghost. They believed if they saw something, like, if they saw a spirit or a ghost, they believed it was the, the, what we'd call the grim reaper. And so when they, they shouted, it's a ghost, it's a ghost, they thought it was the grim reaper coming. 
And Jesus had to holler at him. He said, it's me. It's me. And the first thing he said to them was, be of good cheer. That's the first thing he said to them. He said, it's me. It's, it's, I'm not, it's not the grim reaper. It's me. Calm down. But he said to them, be of good cheer. Now, why should you be of good cheer? Because you got something in you that's much greater than the circumstance you're facing. You've got someone in you that knows the ins and the outs. He knows the future better than you know the past. He knows the ins and the outs. He knows the hurts and the struggles. And I know a lot of times in our mind we say that, you know, it just can't be so. The Bible says that he's, been t- he's touched with the feelings of our infirmities and that Jesus has been tempted in every area that any of us have ever been tempted. He's been through things that we've gone through. He's been through things that we've never even imagined to go through. He knows what it's like to be abused. He knows what it's like to be abandoned. He knows what it feels like to be poor. He knows what it feels like to be completely destitute, cut off. And he knows what it actually feels like to be without hope. We have never experienced a place in our life to where we feel like there is no hope. Because number one, you're born again. That means hope will never, ever, ever leave. It can't leave. Your mind may not be renewed with God's word enough in order for you to be able to experience the fullness of that, but hope's never left you. It's always there. Jesus experienced what it feels like to have no hope and to be cut off. When he was on the cross and uh, when, when the curse finally overtook him, or was placed upon him. And the Bible says that he was saying, My God, why have you forsaken me? At that particular time, Jesus, the Bible says, took on himself, not just the sin of the world, he became the sin of the world, and he became the curse. He didn't just bear it, he became it. And when he became that, he felt what people feel in hell. In his mind, in his emotions, he could feel what they felt. They are completely dead. They are without hope. Jesus, was. he felt that he had that experience. He knows what that feels like. He knows beyond our wildest imagination what it feels like. He took that so we would never, ever have to take it. And some of the worst things we talk about when, when folks have to go to hell is there is no end. It'll never end. It'll be forever and forever and forever and forever and on and on and on. They'll never have a way of escape. But thank God for those of us that go on to glory and those of us that are are in Christ Jesus, it will go on and on and on. And the Bible says that God himself is going to put on a show for his people. The shock and awe for when people step out of their body. As soon as you step out of your body. When that one foot comes out. And your spiritual body looks very similar to your natural body. Because the Bible says in heaven. People will recognize you and know you. Even as you're known on this earth. You'll have the same name. You're going to look the same. I mean you're, there's not going to be any flaws. But everybody's going to recognize you. You're going to know your pets. You're going to know people. You're going to recognize meat folks. 
But the first thing that happens when a man and a woman that's in Christ Jesus, when, you, when your heart stops and that last breath is taken and that foot, that one foot comes out, you all of a sudden, the first thing you feel is like, oh, I have never felt this good before in my life. The feeling is beyond your wildest imagination. You will feel more alive than you've ever felt, ever, and could ever possibly imagine. That's one reason why so many folks, when they're kind of in and out and in and out, and they make that first step, they say, well, I'm just going to make this other step, and I'll see y'all later. I'm gone. Nobody would come back if they had the chance. That's the first thing that you feel. The feeling is beyond your wildest imagination. And I don't care how strong you may be. I don't care how quick and agile you may be. You know, how great shape you might be in. You've never been in this good shape. And you may be feeling good, and it doesn't make a difference. Folks that do, I understand sometimes people get hooked on narcotics and things like that. I don't care what they may have made you feel like at one point. You ain't ever felt this good. You'll never feel this good what people feel in heaven. And it'll be on, that's just a glimpse of, a glimpse of what we're fixing to, you know, partake of. But a portion of it is living in your heart. Living in your spirit. Dwelling and abiding. Jesus said this. He said in the 14th chapter of John's gospel. He says, if I go away, I'm going to send another comforter. He said this right before he went to the cross. It was right there at the last summer uh, supper. He says, I'm going to pray the Father. He'll give you another comforter. That he would abide with you forever. The spirit of truth. Notice how he says spirit. We're talking about spiritual matters. He says the spirit of truth. Whom the world or the people who are carnally minded. Naturally minded. Cannot receive. Because it doesn't see him. They have to see something. I don't have to see Jesus. I know he's real. Because the Bible says so. I believe it. I don't have to see the holes in his hands and his feet. I know they're there. Because the Bible says so. But the world, people that are naturally, they always have to see something. And Jesus said, no, it's about believing, not seeing. Because the time will come, everything we believe, you most definitely are going to see it. It doesn't say it doesn't exist. It's very much in existence. There are angels all in the room. I don't see them, but they're here. Jesus is in the room. I don't see him, but I know he's here. Heaven's real. I haven't seen it, but I know it's real. It's more real than what we see right here. He says, I will not leave you comfortless. I will not. I will not leave you comfortless. Or I'm not going to leave you helpless. And we say this sometimes. When Jesus was on the cross... And remember, I mean, whew, I can't imagine what it was like to be crucified. Even, even the two thieves up there, I can't imagine. But one of them said to him, he said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Everybody remembers the story. And Jesus said, I'm telling you today, you're going to be with me in paradise. But paraphrasing that, Jesus was saying, buddy, just hold on because help's coming. Hold on. 
it ain't going to be like this forever. Now, I can't imagine anything worse than being impaled through your hands and through your feet with steel and being suspended like they were and beaten unmercifully. But when he was asking Jesus, you know, remember me, you notice he didn't ask him, Lord, get me off the cross. He just said, just please remember me when, when you step over. And he told him, just hold on. Because it's not going to be like just a few moments longer. And we're going to walk in there together. And Jesus took a thief. They walked in there together. I mean, sometimes I like this. I know Jesus did leave his body first. But sometimes because he's a person of his word. If I was a betting man, I'd bet the farm that Jesus waited right there at the gate before he came out of his body and said, I told you, you'd be, let's, let's go together. Of course, Jesus had a lot of business to take care of when he got there. Told him to sit down over there and watch this for a while. But nevertheless, hold on. You know, help's on the way. Thank you for listening to this message from Seven Mile Ministry. 